Our special guest for today's show is three-time world speedway champion, Jason Crump. Sit back and enjoy the ride. Welcome, mate. Thank you. I know it's three-time world speedway Grand Prix champ, but there's another world champion in there as well, obviously, which is an under-21 championship. So I just want to clarify that before we get into <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, that's that's a long time ago, and it was a it was a good stepping stone. Yeah. But um, nearly ten years actually between me becoming under-21 world champion until I became proper world champion. So it was a long time. Wow, it is a long time, isn't it? Yeah. So. Uh, how, how did you get into Speedway? Obviously, it's a family heritage, but how did you get into it really? Well, I grew up in Mildura. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my dad was racing pretty much all over the world. And then when he finished racing, we moved back as a family to Mildura. And you kind of do a couple of things down there. You spend a lot of time water skiing and stuff on the Murray. Mm. And the other thing you do is ride motorcycles, ride motorbikes, ride through the bush ride motocross or ride speedway and um as a kid i just you just ride a motorbike and then that led into a bit of speedway junior speedway there was quite strong at the time and it's you know it's what you did it's what we all did and um yep. you know it's probably the reason why there's quite a few from from our era like from um from that kind of mid 80s to 90s early 90s period there was a lot of successful riders came out of Mm. kind of Mildura and Adelaide which is not so far away through the junior speedway scene Mm. because there's something in the obviously something like in the water there you've got obviously yourself Lee Adams you got the whole waters family in the road racing side of it and they turned their hand obviously incredibly well at dirt track and yeah I think they had to go at speedway for a bit too yeah I mean there's Others as well, you know, well, the yeah. Jason Lyons is from yeah. there and Mark Lemon, yeah. um, Travis McGowan. Um, and then you go across to Adelaide, which is 350 k's away. You know, there was there was Craig Hodson and Shane Parker and Shane Bowes and another whole Ryan Sullivan. Um, you know, there was Nigel Sadler. There was a whole gaggle of other other decent riders from, from there. So it... At one stage, the competition there was was pretty tough, and um, a lot of rivalries were formed from a very very young age yeah. um, that went on from basically from club days at Mildura or or Sidewinders or North Arm Speedway to the to the highest level of speedway in the World Championship. That yeah, that must be pretty incredible for someone say like Ryan Sullivan. Because you went through pretty much the same sort of time as Ryan as well, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. We raced, uh, gee, we raced each other from probably 1987. Wow. Through to the mid-2000s. Yeah, until until I I think actually we finished the same time as well, around 2012. Um, You know, so yeah, we we competed um, against each other for a huge part of our careers. Did, were you good at it straight away? Kind of. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Without being cocky. <laughs> I, I mean, I. You know, it was funny because obviously I went to hundreds, if not thousands, of speedway meetings. So when I got on the speedway bike, it wasn't that I had to figure out how to ride it. I just had to understand what to do on it a bit more because I'd seen the best riders in the world race. Mm. You know, and I and I had. You know, I'd seen it for years, so all I had to do was work out how to kind of do it and yep. and what I was trying to do. Yep. So you already so, had the vision there. It's just a matter of applying. Yeah, it. for sure. But it's you know, it's like everything. You 
you can do it to a certain level but to be able to go to the highest level that that takes time and um you know that's something that money or money can't buy it um equipment can't do it for you you have to be able to understand what you're doing and that's that's the hardest part that's a final step and that's yep. what takes the time and the experience and that ultimately that last little bit the bit that some people are lucky enough to get and some people are unlucky enough that they never get it mm. and you you have a look at the list of world champions it's an elite it's a really elite few isn't it yeah it the is. ones that are there have won a couple or multiples you know you look at your tony rickardson either major yourself with three greg hancock with four yeah ty's now got he's what's ty got? I think ty's got three he's got his three yeah. chris holder with one like yeah. the last um since the since the inception of speedway grand prix there's only been a handful of people at that 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 can get the number one yeah yeah and that's um you know that's it's kind of a that the old one-off world final was so exciting in its Mm. right in its own right um you know one day you had to get it you had to get everything together on that day you could be you know to be honest you could be reasonably average through the through the course of the season yeah and have a good day at the world final and end up with a top three or a win with the grand prix there's nowhere to hide no you know you you're either you're either on your game for 90 percent of the year and in with yep. a shot or you're not and if you're not, you'd be lucky to stay in the top eight, mm. you know. And if you're not in the top eight, the, to you know, if you don't stay in the top yep. eight and get your automatic spot in the series, yep. to go through the qualifying rounds, I mean, I'm lucky. The last time I had to do that was 1997, I think. Um, you know, they, they, were, they were tough old days. They were hard, tough, yep. brutal racing. Because it's a brutal sport brutal sport yeah. anyway but you know when you're racing when you're going to a, a race yep. meeting with 16 or 20 riders and the top two mm. <laughs> from that from those 16 or 20 go into the speedway grand prix the following year you you figure out what brutal racing is pretty pretty quickly there's a lot on the line in there really oh absolutely that. that's your whole livelihood your whole hopes and dreams obviously yeah. as well yep did you you must have got maybe one year in the old format? Yeah, I did. I rode in one the year? last ever one-off world final. Did you enjoy that more? Or because it was all new because it was a new thing. Yeah, I mean, it's a long time ago, obviously, yep. 1994 and I was just I think just 19. Um, I'd only been riding in, you know, I'd only been on a 500 for 2 or 3 years and yep. I kind of found myself in the world final and it was probably probably didn't really get the best out of myself because I was riding re I was riding pretty good at that at that time of, of course to to make the world final but the world final itself was was a bit of a disastrous day um I'd had the under 21 world final a couple of weeks before that where I hadn't done very well and it kind of put me on a little bit of a downer and the world final itself there it was it was a funny I found it a funny experience. Um, mm. I, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed being there and being a part of what turned out to be the last world final. But I don't honestly think I took that much away from it, right. apart from um, disappointment at the end of it. Yeah. 
Wow. And then seemed the, like a big letdown for, for such a big build up. It seemed like a, a big letdown, if I'm perfectly honest. And I think that's probably, you know, the whole thing about having a grand final on a day. Like for me, I, I love the format now. I think the format is fantastic. I think think that you can't get better. Yeah. You know, I think the way the way the Speedway Grand Prix is run with the traditional five, you know, the traditional side of Speedway, which is the five heats where everybody races against each other. Yep. You come off every gate position. It's luck of the draw if you've got a good draw or a bad draw. Yeah. You know, and let's be honest, through the course of the season, 10, 12 Grand Prix. Some days you may get a good draw and some days you may get a bad draw and that's the way it is. Yep. But you have to deal with it all and that's the beauty of it in a 10 or 12 round series. Mm. It will even itself out over the course of the year. On a one-off night, yep. it, it's hard to oh, it's hard to let that bad draw not affect you in a one-off night. Yep. So much on the line on that bad – Yeah. on that particular bad draw or, you know, just – just something happening you know you've got 12 rounds you've got a point to balance it out yeah yeah for sure i mean we you know we looked at it and you could look at races at certain tracks a week before you were racing there and you would know that you know you could look at it and you could go that that race there with the riders i've got in that race and being off that grid position yep. if i can get one point from that race that's a win really yeah so you do sure. the math before you went Okay, well, you're not is... not always, but sometimes, like yep. if you had time on your hands and you could look at things yep. realistically and plan things out, there were races where you have to be fair on yourself and say that you know, unless the other guys are having a problem or something goes wrong for them, mm. the best you can hope for in that race is third. That's that's not being negative. That's trying to control something. Yep, and if you can control it and accept that you may get one point from that race, then you're certainly in a better frame of mind for, for your next race, which may be five, six minutes later on. Mm. You know, if you'll go, if that's actually having respect for the level that your opponents are riding at and yep. being realistic about what you can achieve. Mm. Because if you're looking at the worst gate position on a particular track and a particular circumstance, and you think that you're going to go out and beat Tony Ricardson from that mm. worst gate position when he's off a better gate, a, a more favourable gate position. Yep. That's being disrespectful to your opponent, in my opinion. How you was know, the race in Tony Ricardson? It was tough. Yeah. Um, you know, he was a he was a different character to me. He didn't show his emotion probably as much as what I did, but he. Um, he raised the level of Grand Prix Speedway or Speedway World Championship. He raised the level considerably. Yeah. Um, you know, I I consider myself fortunate that I raced in an era, albeit the end of an era, with with some of the really, really genuinely good guys. Of, of course, Tony is in that bracket, but I, I speak of riders like Hans Nielsen and Simon Wig. Tommy Knudsen, Sam Malenko, yeah. those sort of guys were, you know, they were icons, mm. weren't they? You know, Hans was, Hans Nielsen was Mr. Speedway for however many years. He was so consistently good every meeting he rode in, um, you know, and he was he was a tough old bugger to race against. Yeah. 
you know, he he was an old fellow when I was racing against him, yeah. but he was still a tough bugger. You know, he he didn't expect anything, and he you could definitely not expect anything off him. Mm. And what about Simon Wig? Like same deal. Like he, so, he they crafted that sport through an era. Yeah, so, so I, with all respect to Sai, he wasn't that tough to beat on a speedway track most of the time. Yeah, you go to Europe to a dodgy old grass track in the south of France on a Sunday afternoon in 40 degree heat rough as guts <laughs> and dusty and hot and just all the things that you don't want at a motorbike race he nearly lap you in a four lap race Wow! you know he was the long track and grass track was his thing and I was fortunate that I got to travel with him a bit His he, he tended to have Australian mechanics Right. A couple of his mechanics were from the Gold Coast. Mm. Um, um, so, yeah, I was fortunate enough to get to travel with him and his mechanics to a few a few events. And um, he was he was a good help to me in the, in the early days. Because I was actually well gonna, the, going to... The grass track and long track scene was oh, reasonably big then. Yeah. Because I was going to ask you that because he came over, like did he have some sort of roots here? Because he came over and did dirt track here he did a couple of long tracks here he sort of did spend a bit of time here hey just like the weather yeah you know yep. it's um it's much nicer to be in australia in november december january yep. february than pretty much almost anywhere in europe mm. so um he you know so si used to spend he he'd be here racing most summers most yep. most aussie seasons he was here racing yeah right yep so it's just yeah weather yeah enjoy that yeah dizzy is bold though hey the green, bold yeah. green, and yeah. yeah, and um, you know, he loved it. No, don't think many other people did, but he certainly did. He did. <laughs> uh, Sam Ermolenko, that's another name you brought up. Yeah, I had a funny relationship with Sam. Really, it was. I really enjoyed talking to him, away from racing. Yeah. On the racetrack, man, we had some, some ridiculous. Um, Incidents. I mean, he, it seemed to me that look, my dad and Sam had a problem racing in in the eighties. So that's carried uh, And through. anyway, <laughs> whatever happened, the, the, Sam ended up on his ear and over the fence and whatever. And yep. um, the old boy was right was kind of involved in the incident. It seemed to me that Sam took it, tried to take it out on me for about the next ten years. So I didn't didn't take too kindly to that so yeah sam and i had a few blow-ups on the track and in the pits and so forth but always um i don't know i don't know how to explain it i, I actually thought sam was one of the best motorcyclists that i raced against mm. and he always would come up with an excuse of why he'd run into me or knock me off and I, I could never accept it. And he, he didn't understand that I was actually giving him a compliment by saying you're a better rider than that. Just admit that you did it on purpose. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but um but no I'm you know, Sam and I away from the racetrack, we got on fine yeah. and um you know, but again for a long period of time he was a, a tough rider to beat and um one of the old school you know, get in and get his elbows out and mm. don't expect anything because you're not going to get it. Because as you said, you come through in a time of some of like literally the best mm. ever. Ivan Major, how did he influence your career? And did he? 
well, yes, he did because Ivan influenced every Speedway yeah. rider's career without even trying mm. um, because he was the one that um, yeah, he turned it. He turned everybody into, I guess if you want to say, he turned riders from club day riders into professionals. Yeah. He, he did that, you know, in the 70s without even trying, yeah. you know. Um, personally, I was lucky. I got to know Ivan a little bit. Um, obviously not in his racing days, but, uh, you know, once he'd, once he'd finished and um, he was always very positive towards me. I would always have um, – it's quite funny. He used to send faxes, like in in those times. Yeah. Um, he he was always somebody who was very mentally aware of what you needed, how you needed to be mm-hmm. to go and win. And he used to send you quirky little faxes all the time with diagrams and you know just words. Wow. And you just positive quotes and, and different things. So, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed Ivan's company. I'm in great family. Mm. You know, he, he, Ivan and Ray, um, had their kids young and traveled the world together and, you know, Ivan achieved great success, but not as a young man, you know, it all happened basically, you know, he was nearly 30 by the time he was world champion, similar to me. Yeah. And, um, he he had to work pretty hard to to get to where he was and um had a had a lot of respect for him because he he did probably between he and Ollie Olsen they were the two biggest had the biggest influences on speedway turning out to be the way it is to this day now mm. and definitely definitely in this country for Ivan I think like uh, the every, everywhere yeah everywhere yep. So and like the events that that he put on and everything as well was was huge, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. He put he put a lot of events on over here and bought some pretty good riders over here as well. Yep. Yeah, I, I have a really fond memory. Actually, it's it's of yourself of uh, early two thousands Redcliffe Paceway. They did a long track there. Yeah, a couple. Yeah, they did two years in a row. The one was a damp year, I think. Actually, might have got a third year in, but. Um, it was early 2000s, so you'd been obviously over in Europe racing and everything and come back to race this and there was obviously that uh, Jay Springsteen and that come over the Harleys. Yeah, and yeah. It was it was a really good good meeting put yeah. on. But I'd never seen anyone like you were riding the wall coming out of do, – do you remember the event at all? Roughly, yeah. Roughly? I know I had a crash there one night. It um, was such a fast track. It was – it was quite a fast track, but yeah. it was very narrow. Yes, it was. It was not overly fast yep. for the for for what you can do on a speedway bike. Right. But for the amount of room mm. that we had to race on, it was pretty fast. It was pretty hairy track, actually. That one. Really? Yeah. Yeah. As a, as a yeah, growing up watching that, I was like, wow, this is incredible. Seeing yeah. your level coming back from Europe yeah. and then to to Australia and that it was it was a big thing. Yeah, they were they were fun times. You know, they were. They were good. Um, they were good events to be a part of. Yep. And he, like those those things that he did, he used to go to different parts of the country. You know, you'd you'd go to Tamworth and you'd go to uh, Canberra, Bathurst, mm. dif- different sorts of places. You know that you that you weren't ordinarily going to. Mm. So they were they were pretty cool. 
yeah, it would have been good to just a bit of a sea change, I guess, at that yeah. time too. Yeah. So, and some of the riders that came over, obviously, the series five hundred stuff was a different thing altogether earlier. That on. was David Tap, and like it, that was um, Tap Media. David yeah, Tapp, yep. yeah. Um, he, what he actually did was quite amazing because he bought yep. the actual actually the best riders in the world here. Mm. You know, he, he bought Ricardson here when he was world champion and yep. Simon, of course, and um, Greg Hancock. Greg Hancock, yourself. Sam. Yep. Um, you know, the, if you actually look at the level of those riders, I mean, you had, seven, you know, 75, 80% of the riders from the world that were here were world championship riders. Yeah. You know, which when you look back at that, um, the way he did it all, um, quite amazing, quite yeah. amazing. I was actually going to get into that, I was, the, the tap side of it with the Series 500. Was that um, – do you ever see it going to that again in Australia? I would love to say yes. Yeah. Um, I don't think for, – for that to work, you have to have a group of riders that want to make it work. Yeah. And by that, I mean you have to have a leader in the European ranks like a Simon yeah. Wig who can talk the riders, talk to all the riders in Europe and make them understand that it's not like racing with the pressures of racing in Europe. Mm. It's, it's race a couple of nights a week and have a holiday in 30-degree heat for the rest of the time. Yeah. The riders now, Speedway's changed in the fact that Simon Wigg is a world champion, a multiple world champion, would think nothing of jumping out of, out of bed in the morning and washing his bikes and preparing his bikes for a day. Yep. The same as for me that, you know, if that's what you had to do, that's what you did. Yep. There's a lot of the, I say there's a lot of the younger generation, the generation of rider now, not only would they not do it, but they probably wouldn't actually know how to do it. Mm. So... When you look at the riders that he had, that Tappy had come over here, you, you had Ricardson, yeah. who who was obviously he, he could work on a bike if he had to. Greg Hancock could, Simon could. Um, you know, you had guys like Tony Casper, who who you know, unfortunately Tony passed away through illness quite a few years ago now. Um, Rooney Holter, uh, Joe Screen, Mark Loram. He, he had loads of good riders like that, but yeah. everybody that came here, there, w there were no prima donnas. Everybody was able to do what needed to be done. Mm. So I'm to say, can we get back to that? Maybe, maybe not, because yeah. I don't know if there's a level of rider out there who would be prepared to come and do it. Makes sense. But we, we were, you know, like we all went to, Perth and Bunbury so we, we went to Western Australia and it was one truck with all the gear in it yep so you know you'd race and you'd race a, the meeting and then the next day everybody would meet up at you know we'd, we'd be got somewhere at nine o'clock in the morning at somebody's factory or warehouse with a couple of pressure washers and you know yep. we've kind of got there'd be 25 30 speedway bikes and bits and pieces everywhere and everybody's just in getting their bike ready for the next night or the night after so you could put it back in the truck it was wow. it was at the time it seemed like it was tough and hard and 
probably didn't want to do it, but it was character building and it was pretty good fun when you look back at it. And you've got the best speedway riders in the world. You yeah, know, a handful we, of the best speedway we, riders. We in did the world. have the, yep. there was, you know. Um yep. you know, there was those the, the European names that I've mentioned and um, you know, they were tough to beat. Greg Hancock yeah. anywhere, any time in the world, he's Billy a Hamlin. tough guy to beat. Yeah, I think Willie was here for a couple a couple of years or at least one year and yep. Ronnie Corey and there, there was good riders, but the Aussie boys yeah. were the harder ones to beat. Really? Definitely. And just that home, just that Aussie. Yeah, I mean, is, Lee, yeah. like Lee, you know, with all due respect to Lee, I, from my point of view, yeah. Lee was harder to beat in Australia than he was in Europe. He was tough to beat everywhere, don't get me wrong. Yep. But Lee was a different level of rider in so. Australia. And if you take him to Mildura or Adelaide yep. and he was even tougher to beat. So that's that's one of the races that you get to and you think, okay, like go to Mildura with Lee Adams. For sure. 2007, I rode in the Australian Championship and I was quite com- I was quite confident that I would win the series, but I didn't think I would win the round in Mildura. Wow. Yep. Because you know, of Lee Adams. Well, yep. tough to beat there. It's his home track. Have yep. some, Again, respect. have some respect for what your, your opponents are capable of yep. and be realistic. Yeah, I could beat Lee there, mm. but am I going to beat him two times in one night? Mm, probably not. Yep. You know? But that's that's the way I looked at it. Yep. It wasn't that I was going there beaten, no, but realistically I'm saying if I go there tonight and Lee beats me, I'm not going to bash myself up about it because he is a bloody good rider and, you know, the chances are that he's probably going to burn me off at some point in a five-round series. Yep. He's going to beat me at some point. Yep. And you did end up getting that title, didn't you? Oh, yeah. 2007. Yeah. yeah. So, because that was uh, Mildura, they finished at my catcher. Oh, they had my catcher in that one. No, didn't no, they? we didn't. I didn't race at my catcher. For I them? raced at. Um, what was that one? I was just trying to think. Oh, seven. The last round was at Mount Gambier on the on the sprint car track. How was that? Tough. Tough. Fast. Yep. It's t- tough to race on. The, those places, um, they're they're kind of fun, but they're you also know you understand the consequence if you fall off on a place like that because you're yeah. going fast. Yeah. And anything that you're going to hit on that track is designed to stop a sprint car. So for a body or a bike, it's going to be a big hit. Yeah, that, yeah definitely a, uh, a risk, mm. a risk of that one. Yeah. How, how do you think with Elite League and that coming into obviously Grand Prix and then Elite Leagues and that, do you think the schedule's too much for a rider or it's – what do you think of that? Well, the it's dependent on the rider, I guess, too, what they want to race, I guess. The this the schedule can be what you make it. Yep. Um you know, you go back to probably anywhere from 1994-5 time. Um I w- personally, I was racing in the British, Polish, Swedish, and sometimes Danish league as well as the Grand Prix. And to be honest, there was not, there's not that many, and that wasn't just me at that time. That was the the whole bunch of top guys, yep. you know, myself and Lee and Greg and Tony and Loram and Chris Louie. Um, 
Ricardson, every everybody was doing that. That's how it was. Yep. Um, now, um, you know, now the riders seem to ride, um, you know, Polish league and the Grand Prix. A lot of them don't even compete in Swedish league. Mm. Um, so I think Ty and um, Ty, Frederick Lindgren, Leon Madsen, um, Seifedinov, uh, Janowski, I think I'm sure they only ride in Polish League and Grand Prix. Mm. Smarzlik would ordinarily be riding in Sweden and Poland, but this year, because of what's going on, um, they're mostly just, they're all just riding in Poland and the, the Grand Prix aren't even decided yet. As far as I know, I don't think there's any dates set yeah. for them. Because, and and without figures in that, for a lot of, like, Grand Prix, there's not heaps of money in the Grand Prix, is it? Like, the wage earner for most riders would be the league? Polish league. Polish league's the wage earner, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So you have to go there to make your income. Yeah. And then Grand Prix supports you in, obviously, you get uh, exposure. Yeah. And whatever else comes from that as well. And it's the elite form of the sport. It's elite. Point. It's extra, Polish extra league is... Yep. Where, where you earn your living, That's earn your it. money from. Yep. Uh, I mean, the you know the the um, the Swedish league was used to be good, used yep. to be a good paying league to ride in. Um, it goes in cycles, Sweden. You know, really the the yep. the um, the economy in Sweden determines very much yep. what the pay rates in Swedish speedway will be. Those two those two World Cups you did. Oh, obviously the, the one. Are they are they highlights? Out the of first one, the first, first one, one was yeah. In well, we won the World Team Cup. Yep. It, the World Team Cup is a Speedway World Cup, so we won yep. the World Team Cup in 1999. Yep. Um, that was that was pretty. That was pretty cool. Um, to be able to do that, that was that was tough. But two, look, two thousand and one was the inaugural Speedway World Cup yep. as it as it's been renamed and like up until now. Mm. That was in Poland, and to don't know how you would describe that, but that would be like the Australian. That would be like the Socceroos going to Moscow and winning the World Cup. Mm. Just, it's a for fun. us to for us to be able to go to Poland and beat the Polish team, the team that Poland had at that time in their own backyard, we don't we don't get the recognition that we deserve for that. No. That was probably well, I, I don't know. I mean, I you know I was part of it. I I remember how how good it was to win that World Cup, and obviously I had a couple of good meetings. The qualifying round was in Gdansk, and that was pretty tough. We had to beat, gee, can't even, I think we had the USA in the in the qualifying round, and that was Greg and Billy. So that was a, a pretty tough qualifying round. We we won we won through and qualified directly into the final, and it, it like the final came down to the last heat with yeah. myself against the the Polish guy, Krzyzaniak, and unfortunately he crashed on the first turn, so it was a reasonably easy race for me. But um, 
it didn't start out easy. I mean, we were in a stadium of 25, 30,000 people and genuinely there was probably 10 people that wanted <laughs> Australia to win it. Yeah. Wow. So, um, so that 01 is a... That the 2001 Speedway World Cup is definitely something that I'm very, very proud of. And yeah. the, the team that we did it with, we, you know, it was a good bunch of guys that we all seem to get on reasonably well. We look. The truth of the matter is that we we didn't all get on that well together, because you're not going to get guys that are racing each other all the time that get on that well. No. But when we did race for Australia, we did get on professionally very very well. Mm. And it was actually frustrating for me to think that we did only win a couple of World Cups. We probably should have won more, but there was a couple of our riders that tended to underperform in the World Cups. Yeah, right. Well, just just heat of the moment sort of thing. Or? Uh, I that that I can't answer really. But just when you look at um, riders' performances, and then you look at the level that they were riding at almost every week, and then you'd look at a World Cup result, they there's probably a few that tended to underperform for Australia. Mm. That. That should be like say oh one should be one of the you know most recognised Australian sporting moments. Like it is, it is a huge moment in Australian sport. It was, yeah, yeah. I, I believe it was. Yeah, um, you know, it, stealing that away from Poland. Like, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, I understand speedway is not a mainstream sport here, yeah. um, so people would tend to probably not understand the significance of that. But from my point of view, and I, I could probably just about guarantee if you rang Lee Adams up or Craig Boyce or Todd Wiltshire, yep. they would probably say the same thing to you because mm. the significance of it being in that stadium, um, the way the atmosphere was, it was geared up. The only thing that didn't have Poland's name on it was a first place trophy, everything. It probably yep. bloody did have. <laughs> it yeah. probably had to swap it for yep. us, but... Um, you know, it, for us to be able to do what we did, I, I thought was was pretty pretty special. I'm I'm proud of that night as yep. a, as as a team, as an Australian Speedway team. I think that was our best performance. Yep. What happens that night? Like you say, not everyone gets on, but is there a party? Is there a no? We went back to work. We went back and um, went back, stayed in a hotel and drove the next day to Lesno and raced against Lee Adams in a Polish league match. Really? So we went from being teammates on Saturday night for the Australian team yep. to racing against each other Sunday afternoon in a Polish league match. So fiercest competitors again Absolutely, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's, it, that's, and that's the interesting part of the sport, isn't it? For sure, because, yeah. you know, the, the way Speedway works is that Saturday night, you race against a guy in the world championship. Mm. And Sunday afternoon, Tony Ricardson and I were teammates in Poland for a year. Yep. So we were genuinely the top two riders in the world of Speedway, beating chunks out of each other on a Saturday night, trying to be world champion. Yep. And then Sunday lunchtime, we're teammates racing for Torren in the Polish league. Wow. That would have been a crazy time. You know. Did you get much out of Tony Ricardson then? Like learn much or was oh, there anything absolutely yeah yeah for sure that that that, time, that whole year there sort of thing yeah i mean that it was quite funny because obviously we were tony and i were the top two riders in the world at that time and um 
a new a new sponsor it, uh, uh, you know the polish speedway relies heavily on financial investment backing sponsors and so mm -hmm. forth so there's a new a new guy came into the speedway club in torren and he clearly had a pocket full of money and he decided that the best way for torren to win would be if he got the best two riders in the world so he he got tony and i but he didn't kind of understand that you needed to have you needed to have more than two good riders you also needed to have kind of some decent riders underneath that, that mm. but more importantly you need people who are going to get on and work together well tony and i actually turned out to be not too bad but the rest of the team it didn't really work and we didn't we didn't win the league anyway um but in the first part of the season tony and i would fly in on a sunday you know we'd be on this on the same airplane going to the same airport and the club would send two cars one to pick him up and one to pick me up and the two guys would actually have a race with us as passengers in the car to see who could get to the track first and it was it was bloody stupid <laughs> so after we've done this about six or seven times i said to tony like do you have a problem to share a car with me you know yeah. and he's like no I, I figured you must have had a problem that you didn't want to share a car with me and i was like no not at all so it kind of turned out that the club had taken it upon themselves yep. to have a vehicle each for us well we didn't need one i mean you can sit in a car with somebody for an hour and a half two hours it's not the end of the world is it surely not and it was actually safer for us because our driver the guys <laughs> that we had driving stopped racing each other so it was a bit of, a bit of a less scary drive after that wow and that, how, how long did that go on for that was just a season but yeah, it's you know 24 meetings or something Wow, that would have been a good, good time, like such a good time for Speedway Home. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, it was a tough, you know, it was tough racing. I mean, Tony was a tough guy to race against. He was a great teammate. It was a great guy to be in the same team with, um, because he obviously scored points. Mm. So it was. It was probably the only time I've been in the team where I wasn't the out and out number one. Um because he was a world champion and I was number two in the world, but I still I did actually have a higher average than him, points oh, really? average in the Polish league at that yep. time than what he did. So, um, yeah. Is, um, was that probably one of your better years in Elite League? Did you, like, enjoyable? Like, was that an enjoyable year there or? Uh, it, it was okay, but the, the only time that, like, to be honest, in Poland, it, it's all about winning. Um, so, so you don't get time to really not not no. really. It's there's a lot of stress involved in Polish league, and there's a lot of pressure from from the clubs and from the sponsors, and you know from from media over there. So it's Polish league is genuinely all about winning. And I, I was fortunate that you know one of the teams I was in after a few years after that we won the league, and that was that was fantastic. But mm. it, it, you know it's a tough old game in Poland. Yep. Definitely, yeah, definitely is it. It's like the the head of the sport at the moment, isn't it? Really, without a doubt, it's yeah. been people in people within Speedway are arguing all the time about you know where Speedway's biggest, but if, you know, pretty much in my the whole time of my career, Poland's been pretty much the number one the place for Speedway. Yeah, the powerhouse, the the yep. place where everybody wants to go. You you speak to a young 
you speak to a 15 year old kid in Australia about where he wants to go to race speedways, Polish league, mm. you know, and that's, that's right. That's, that's where it's speedways king in Poland. Yeah. That makes, definitely makes sense. 2004 was your first world title, uh, speedway Grand Prix title. Yeah. How, how, how did that feel at the time? Like it came down to right to the line too, didn't it? Mm, not quite, but yeah, the w- the way it looked in the scores, it did. But yeah. it was, I kind of had it, kind of had it sorted out. I, I mathematically, you you had it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to get through the first stage of the elimination on that night, and I did that. So, um, I mean, yeah, it was. It was a kind of a shit. What's the word I'm looking for? It's it's hard to explain it, but be, because I'd been the runner up for the three years before yeah. that, you know, two thousand one, two and three, I'd been second. And you know, with all respect to Tony, I think in two thousand and one, probably think I was the best rider in the world that year. Yeah. I think I I think I probably probably could or should have been world champion that year apart from a bad a, a bad first grand prix mm. you know there were six grand prix in in 2001 there were six grand prix i had a shocker in the first one a terrible night in berlin temporary speedway track pouring down with rain and it just didn't work for me but in the in the remaining five grand prix i had two firsts two seconds and a third mm. And that, you know, that was a level that Tony and I were racing at that year. And, yeah, he had the same. I had two firsts, two seconds, a third and a twelfth. He had two firsts, two seconds, a third and a ninth. So, oh, <laughs> you know. Splitting it, hey? <laughs> so that, that, was, that was kind of um, disappointing. The World Cup in 2001, I went through the whole World Cup undefeated, you know, I beat Tony a few times in the World Cup that year as well and um, yeah I thought I was probably close to being the best rider in the world that year then the following year 2002 didn't have a great year but finished second again 2003 I I messed up that I should have won the world championship that night as well but made a bit of a balls up in the last Grand Prix and got excluded in the race that would have won it for me um, so finally in 2004 to win it was um, it was a very special feeling and a very special thing to happen and to become world champion at anything's something that you never forget so and uh, like a sense of relief definitely yeah absolutely definitely just pressure just yeah gone. because you know I'd been close and like I said I'd if I wasn't the best rider in the world I was pretty bloody close to it yep. for, for a few years and um it was tough to be the runner-up a couple of times. How was Nicky Pedersen in that time to ride with? Uh, what as a as just a competitor? Like he's a fierce competitor. Fierce competitor. Yeah, he he was um, fearless. Yeah, you know, and because um, he got O three, didn't he? Yeah, he kind of stole. Yeah, he 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 did. I mean, Nicky came. Nicky. Nicky was riding for a few years before that, of course, and you know, and all of a sudden in two thousand and three, he kind of went from kind of being somebody who was very hit and miss to he yeah. he gained some consistency, and 
he was a hard bug. He's as everybody knows, a hard bugger. Mm. You know, tough as, and um, didn't didn't leave anything. He left nothing on the table any time you raced him. Um, probably took more chances than Tony and I. He'd take more chances in one race than Tony and I yeah. would take in a season. Yeah. yeah no, <laughs> and it caught up with him, you know. Like he, he's, um, you know, he, how do you say it? He, he spent a lot more time on his ass than probably what Tony and I did. Yeah. For, for a big period of time. Because like even now, like he's he's back riding again too now. Yeah, he, he rides still, yeah. Back back again. But he spent this last five years of just heavy injury too, hey? Well, he's out of the world championship, so you probably don't see how much he's still riding, yep. you know, when a guy's out of the Grand Prix. But, um, you know, he was – there was a – a tough bunch of guys at that time. I mean, Nicky was obviously one of them, and Thomas Gollub was in there still, and Greg and um, Lee was there or thereabouts. And sort of like a new era at that point too, wasn't it? Do you think? Like we've obviously- that that kind of happened when um, you know around around the late nineties. You know when hands stopped and yep. and everything. There was kind of was you know Mark Lorem, Chris Louie. Um, Peter and Mikhail Carlson, Henrik Gustafsson, Thomas Golub, yep. um, Hampel, mm. Hancock, Hamill, um, Joe Screen. There's, there's, there was a lot of writers that were hard to beat. Mm. And yeah, definitely a uh, a tough time. So much depth in, yeah. in the sport. Yeah. And then you repeated again in 06? Yeah, I was pretty good. At 2006, I was very prob- – probably I was better in 2006 than I was in 2004. I think I planned – in 2004, I hadn't won the world championship, so I didn't really know or understand how to win. But in 2006, I, I thought I was pretty good all year, really, yeah. I you know. I was top of the averages in the UK. I was racing with an over an 11-point average in the UK. Um, top of the averages in Poland. Uh, won the league in Poland. Um, Australia nearly won the World Cup in, in the UK. Um, you know, we, I, 2006 was a, was a good year. Yeah. And just the, yeah, the whole Grand Prix series was a great series for you too, wasn't it? Yeah, I think I had it won in the seventh Grand Prix, seven out of ten, I think, seventh Grand Prix of the year. I think I had it won already. Yeah. I think I'd won five of the, or four of the first seven or something that year. So I was, um, yeah, I was, uh, that was a, that was a good year for me. I, I was very consistently on form that year. And then to back it up again in '09, and that was that harder. 2009 was um, that was pretty tough because I got an injury at the end of the year, yep. and um, the last couple of Grand Prix were very very tough. I had a big a big lead um, in the series, and just with a couple of Grand Prix to go, I got injured, got my arm caught in the back wheel, and ripped a whole load of skin off my arm and did a load of 
damage to the muscle, to the bicep and to the nerves and everything in my arm and um, actually struggled to ride the rest of the year. I couldn't ride in any of the league racing, only rode in the Grand Prix and um, and that was tough and, you know, came came down to... I think I had to score seven or eight points in in the last Grand Prix, and and I, luckily for me, I did. Uh, but that was that was tough. Was did Red Bull come on board with you that year? No, I started with them before that. Two thousand nine, I started with them. In yeah, earlier earlier yeah. two thousand nine. Yeah. How did that help? Um, like, did they give? Did they go in the whole resources of Red Bull training and? What not for that as well? Not so much with that, but um, I mean, they were a, a fantastic company to be involved in. Yep. Um, I was obviously good friends with Mark in the in the Formula One. He was driving for Red Bull at Red Bull Racing at the time, and got got a fair bit of mechanical help from them. Um, the Formula One factory was at Milton Keynes, which was about half an hour south of where we were living in the UK, and. Um, couple of the guys in the factory were Australian guys so they were very keen and interested to help me out with a few bits and pieces so um, it was a it was a great tie-up to a great company to be involved in and of course uh, the relationship carried on over into Australia and got to race in the in the Red Bull celebrity car race at the Formula One yeah. race in Melbourne in 2012 and um, that would have been good fun it was great fun you know, hanging out with with Robbie Madison and and a few of the other Red Bull athletes for the weekend was was actually really good. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a one of those brands that does tie things together, doesn't it? Yeah, they do. And um, it's actually funny because Seth and I were watching Seth Mel and I were watching the Formula One review of the season 2012 on Netflix the other day. Yeah, and this the Formula One race from Silverstone came on and I said to Seth, oh, keep your eye out. I was at that, I was at this race with Mark and I was, I was actually in the pits with a set of headphones on listening to yep. what, what was being said. And Seth looked at me, yeah, 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 good on you, Dad. <laughs> Dad. Anyway, about two minutes later, he goes, no way, there you are. <laughs> and um, there was a scan of the pit garage the, inside the Red Bull racing pit and there I was stood in there. Wow. So that, that was quite funny. So, yeah, Red, Red Bull obviously Red Bull tie in. Yep. Um, I got, I, you know, because of our friendship with Mark and his wife, Anne, um, Mel and I have been to a few events with them. And um, yep. it's great, great to be involved with him as a mate. Um, and obviously the Red Bull thing tied in nicely as well for both of us. Do you know if he's, and he, he may have ridden yours. Has he ridden a Speedway bike? Do you know? Never. Because he's a big fan too, isn't he? Huge fan. Yeah. Um, he and Anne, um, you know, huge fans of Speedway. And, um, you know, fortunately for for myself, he, you know, he was a, a big help um, in many different ways. Of course, he, he was influential with the, with the Red Bull, with my Red Bull contract. And um, just, just as a mate, you know, he was somebody that, I always knew that I could ring him and and talk about racing in ways that you struggle to talk to that many people about, mm. and um, and I hope he felt the same way that he could talk to me. So it was 
for me it was um it was great to have somebody like him that you could talk to about racing stuff yep the 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 real ins and outs of it yeah yeah and he you know he even though he never rode a bike i've never driven a formula one car but um obviously you you talk to each other as mates about things that are going on and um you know you try and understand what the other person's saying and he's he's pretty good he had mark's actually got a a quite a big knowledge of speedway because he's an intelligent guy and he's watched a lot of it and because he's interested to understand what you're doing and why you're doing things um he's he's got a bloody good knowledge of speedway and a good understanding of it as well very smart very smart yeah yeah absolutely yeah and to drive to drive one of those things you have to be too you have to be intelligent yeah yeah they're they're not a they're not like going and jumping in a it's not even really like driving a car, is it? The control, the way the controls and everything are. But there's um, so much to think of. It's yeah. more like a uh, fighter. You're like a fighter pilot. Yeah. You know, so much, so much to process at that time. Yeah. And not a lot of room to do it in. No, no, things are pretty small, hey. <laughs> Your um, the bikes. Do the bikes, like, genuinely, honestly, do the bikes have much influence over it? Yeah. It's a big thing. Yeah. So each year you get to say. 2006 you get to the end you've won the title you're happy with the bike you stay with the same engine you how can you tell me how that works very 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 strange with with the engines because there's no factory engine in speedway as such like you you have either a jawa or a gm yeah and i was a I was a works Jawa rider for five or six years. I won in 2004, I won the world championship on Jawa as a works rider. But we used to take the engine from the factory, like take it off the production line in the factory and, you know, we'd take maybe 10 or 15 engines at the start of the year or the end of the previous year. And I had people that would, prepare engines for me so i had some guys in australia who would prepare some engines for me i had guys in europe that would prepare engines for me so basically all of the tuning and setup of the engine came down to me to my preference Mm. so when when you hear the speedway riders saying oh they're trying to find the setup with the engine and they're trying to find this and they're trying to find that that what they're kind of saying is that it's not that their engine's bad, but it's just not really doing what they want that want it to do. And because there's no electronics and there's no power curve to change on a speedway bike, it's all manual. Yeah. You have to, if you want to take a bit of power out of the engine, you do it manually by taking the ignition cover off and you undo the three screws and you retard the ignition timing. Um, there's no injection it's carburetor so you have to set your main jets up for the weather Um, it's very leveling mechanically Mm. you have to set it up yourself you have to get it you have to make the carburetor work yourself there's no book there's no weather there's no um you know, start it up and let it idle and it automatically tunes itself. There's none of that in a speedway bike. Wow. So you have to um, 
Still very raw. Very, very raw. No writer aids at all. Mm. Which is hard to fathom now, like in sports. Can't really have a rider aid on a speedo bike. How do you stop? Why would you stop the back wheel spinning? We, we wouldn't even get around the corner if you didn't have the back wheel spinning. You so you can't. You can't you know, do it. Yeah, it's, it's it's out the window. Just in the world of rider aids and driver aids, and that it's yep. just hard to fathom now that there's a sport that just is still in its probably purest form. Well. It, it is hard to believe, but yep. when you put it that way, yep. we make it round the corner because the wheel spins. Yep. Then how do you how do you have a rider aid? You can't. It's impossible. Yeah. Makes zero sense. For the elite league, same deal. From someone that doesn't know anything about it, logistically, do you have bikes set up in a Sweden? Do you have a bike set up like a van and mechanic? How would that how would that work in your in your time that you were doing that? Yeah, exactly like that. Had um, had a setup in in pretty much every country. Yeah. So, so I I could just jump on an aeroplane and fly to Poland, and I had a mechanic vehicle bikes there, race in Poland, fly back to the UK, get picked up by another mechanic, another set of bikes, another set of right, another set of gear race there, then fly out to Sweden the next day and meet another mechanic with another set of bikes and ride there. Wow. So, and and instead of racing, say, like, we go to MotoGP, everything's a team, this, team, that. You're, te- you're the employer of the team, aren't you? You're the yeah. so you're all, all team the, manager, rider, everything. Yeah. 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 So I was a rider and my wife, Melody, ran – she pretty much ran the team. Yeah, but right. She – but I'd say pretty much she she ran the team. So you're in charge of sponsorships, um, like Melody. Yep. Sponsorships, logistics, getting you to flights. Yep. There's no other people involved in this, is it? No. That's huge operation, isn't it? Yeah, she you know, she had flights to organise all the time. She had ferry tickets to organise, she had hotels to organise. Yep. Um, you know, um, paying the you know, paying wages paying bills running running the household you know that was yep. that's what she did and um you know she she came into that she'd never been to a speedway event before she came to europe before she came to england she'd never really? been and seen it so yeah how, how how can you describe say cardiff yeah i've never been how's the feeling of going into cardiff on that night it's cardiff is is nuts it's um it's funny there because the pit the pit area is under the stadium so when you when you go into the stadium when when a rider enters a stadium at cardiff you go into a dodgy little gate through a rubbish car park honestly a rubbish car park and the stadium's kind of on top of you so you're you're underneath and the pit area is also in the car park, which is under the stadium. Yep. So you can go into the stadium and into the pit area without actually seeing anything to do with the, the stadium just about. You see like one back side of the stadium. So you could basically not even know you're there. Pretty much. Wow. And the whole – where the pit area is, there's it's like a – perimeter road i guess around around the outside of the 
football pit, the soccer pitch, which yep. is, you, but you're under it. Mm. So you walk, you go along that perimeter road bit, and then all of a sudden there's a, a lane off to the left, and that start it's uphill all the way, and that brings you out onto the into the stadium. It's crazy. That's it. See it. Well, you just expect like from TV, you watch this the, probably best stadium in the world. Yeah. You just see this. You don't expect that to be that. Yeah, it, uh, look, there's nothing wrong with it. It's no. just a perimeter road that turns into a pit area for the yep. speedway. But you you can sit in that pit area and you would have no idea that you're underneath a 60,000-person stadium. Really? Not a, not a clue? Wouldn't wouldn't have a clue. So you don't hear the, the fans? You or? can when they start to make a noise, but... What you have to remember is that it's a pit area, so there's generally a motorbike yep. being started up or warmed up at some point or another. Yep. So because it's all concrete, yep. it echoes to buggery in there. It's like a it gets hot, like really, really hot in there. Yeah. Um and it's always dark. So you can kind of walk in there at three o'clock, two o'clock in the afternoon. Yep. And you go from perfect sunlight outside. To darkness because you're under the stadium and it's all artificial light and then of course the stadium roof's closed so it could be bloody midnight you wouldn't have a clue what time of day or night it is that'd be weird it is really, really strange weird. yeah 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 it is yeah. really weird going there as a spectator total different story you get in well, there. i've only been there once without riding really yeah i went back a couple of years after i finished with the grand prix um to work on the british tv broadcast of it yeah and actually picked up about 15 things to do with the stadium that I'd never, ever noticed before. Really? Never, ever noticed. So, you're like, when you go in as a rider, you've got your own thing. You've just done that. You never go downstairs. Saw, you, yep. That's never it. saw the sign that said, you know, welcome to Cardiff Arms Park or whatever it used to be called. I'd never yep. noticed it before. I never knew there was a picture of me on the wall in the hallway that we used to walk along to get to the dressing rooms. I'd never noticed it. Wow. Um, you know, just just different things that um, I suppose if when when I was going there, I was going there to race, yeah, and didn't notice it. Yep. just never recognised it. Well, that's crazy. Yeah, and I guess when you when you're going through the motions of racing and that, that's you got to pretty pretty much focus on one thing, don't you? Try to try to. <laughs> and you, as a as a competitor, you you're pretty uh, passionate, hey. Well, I put a lot of effort in. Energy, um, effort, yeah. You know, so I kind of really did mostly only go to the races to try and win and, um, you know, yeah, meant a lot to me. Yeah. You know, I had a lot of pride in my performance and, um, you know, I think I think to finish inside the top three in the world for 10 years straight um, shows that I had a lot of pride in what I was doing and and in my performance and, um, you know, for that 10-year period between 2001 and 2010, I think I was, you know, if I wasn't world champion, I was pretty bloody close to it sure. every year for 10 years and um, I'm proud of that. I, you know, I think it'll be, I think it'll be a long time before another rider can go 10 years being inside the top three. Definitely. Yeah, definitely, yeah. And and having three world championships as well, I think that's a yeah for, for yeah. An, an Australian rider. It's, it could be a long time. 
yeah, there's, you know, there's always good Aussies around. Yep. You know, I mean, Chris Holder was Chris won in 2012, and then you know got beaten up pretty bad in 2013, yep. and you know, it's um, it's been well documented that you know since since he had that big crash, he's kind of not quite. He he's had the odd meeting where he's been really good, but he hasn't been able to find a good level of. A, a, a very high level of consistency yeah and of course he's eliminate he's not in the world championship anymore and then we had jason you know darcy came along in that time around that time period as well we know you know darcy's unfortunate injury we ha- we've had jason doyle come into yeah. the onto the scene and and become world champion and um you wouldn't you wouldn't put it past um Doyle to be world champion again for sure um i think that he i think he's also taken a lot of beating you know he's he's been injured quite a few times he's he's a tough he's tough like he's a tough dude he's tough you know yeah um some of the some of the hits that he's taken have been huge and he bounces back and bounces back and Mm. Um, you know, I, I definitely wouldn't put it past him. But saying that, he's not a young man anymore. You know, he's he's in his mid thirties now, and yeah. um, you know the the group of the group of young fellas. I, I wouldn't rule him out. I'm not saying I'd rule no, no, him no. out from being world champion. But the group of young fellas that are coming through now, Yanoski, Dudek, Smarzlik, um. Who else would you put in there? Mads, Madsen's not that young, but he's a, he's a hell of a starter. Madsen, um, Yeah, there's a there's a tough bunch of guys around, as there always is. At the world it doesn't champ- stop. No, no, the world championship every, every year. There's six or eight guys in the world championship that can that can cause you trouble, and Doyle's also one of them. He can cause anybody trouble. We got young Max Frick in there as well now. His yep. first full year in the world championship. Um, it'll be, I mean, it'll be a tough year for him if it starts. Yeah. But I mean, it's just been the whole year for anybody involved in any sort of sport or business. It's just been a a difficult, yeah. unpredictable, un, um, unforeseeable yep. situation with the whole world, really. It has. And... Um, we just have to wait and see what transpires with all of that, and and if and even if we do get a speedway world championship this year, mm. yeah, it'd be interesting to see if that happens. So I guess there's, there's the other world sports are starting to put their calendars out and things in place. So hopefully, yeah. hopefully it carries over the, as well. The league racing in Poland has started yeah, to right. close stadiums. Yep. Um, there's talk, nothing official, but I've. I've heard rumours that that the Speedway Grand Prix will take place, but it will all be in Poland. Mm-hmm. That's that's not official. That's just some whispers that I've heard from from different parts of Europe. Um, hopefully, there will be some sort of World Championship this Definitely. year, and hopefully, I'm hoping that the league racing in the UK will start up again soon as well. Mm. Do Do you feel that you and touch and base back to what you were saying before about the other riders coming through, like? You won a title in 2004, six and nine. Do you feel that you've molded, say, Chris, Darcy, 
and Jason, like uh, brought in that that next era of Aussie rider sort of thing. Like, is that Darcy got his three under twenty one titles as soon as you finished your last title? Like, do you think that you helped mould the f- the future of Australian speedway in that way, or do you I'd hope like you to, did? Yeah, I'd like to hope I did. Yeah, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to think that. Um, I'd like to think that I showed the Aussie riders that you can be world champion. Yeah. Because um, it had been 50, yeah, 50 uh, years since, hasn't it? Well, Jack Prior. Young was world champion in 1951, 52 or something. You're the first person since yeah, that. Yeah, so from 1952 to 2004 is a long time. Yeah. Um, you know, I, as a kid growing up, you know, you who wants to be a speedway rider, you, you've got to go to the other side of the world to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at world champions. I, I grew up looking at guys like um, Michael Lee, Bruce Penhall, mm-hmm. Eric Gunderson, Hans Nielsen. Um, you know, a great friend of mine, a, a, a Swedish rider, Per Jonsson, mm-hmm. who was world champion. Um, they were, they were the, they were my heroes, if you like, when I was young, when I was a kid, from when I can remember. They're the guys I can remember. There's no Aussies in there, no. You know, and if you watched, if you were watching road racing, it wasn't Mick doing Mick. Mick wasn't on the scene at that time. You know, it was it was um, Kenny Roberts and. Um, Got, uh, Freddie Spencer and Eddie Lawson, Eddie Lawson and, and that, yeah. um, uh, Luke Canelli and Luncini yeah, Barry and Sheen. Barry, yep. yeah, Barry. They were none of them were Aussies, and then Wayne Gardner came on. Mm. The first Australian motorcycling world champion in any discipline that I can remember or relate to is Wayne Gardner. Mm. So, really, Wayne. Wayne was the one that showed our generation that you could be a world champion coming from Australia. You know, we had then we had Jeff Leesk who very nearly became motocross world champion. Yep. And then it took Mick doing, you know, it took Mick a little bit to to kind of get there. Yeah. Um and and then kind of we had you know, Chad came along and he, he had tremendous success in, in the US. Yeah. Um, you know, we had our we had some fantastic enduro riders, Shane Watts. Um, you know, but there was a big period of time where Australia didn't have world champions. Mm. So I hope I did show the Aussie boys, especially the Speedway boys, that you could be world champion coming from Australia. Yeah. And you gotta to travel to the other side of the world. Be yeah. very proud to think that I did anyway yeah you know and then you know obviously once um once those things happened Mick came along you know Troy Corsa Troy Bayless yep. um you know yeah. now we've got now we've got Toby Price doing what he's doing with yep. his stuff and Robbie Madison doing what he's doing Chad's still in the US um till this morning just, just well, till yeah. this morning, yeah. <laughs> but he is, he's, yeah. he's still doing. We got, we've got Jack Miller, yeah. obviously in MotoGP. We got Wayne's son Remy in Moto Two. Yep. 
we've got Jet and Hunter Lawrence now mm. stepping up into the to the next level in Supercross and Motocross. Hopefully, yep. Um, bright stars too. Yeah, some really seem bright stars to, seem coming to through. be. Yeah, yep. seem to be. Um, and yeah, and Speedway, we've we've got some some good young kids coming through as well. Definitely. And, and some programs starting to happen too. Like I think um, I think it's Craig Boyce. Craig Boyce is... Yeah, his team, ride experience. Doing yeah. the ride experience. Just doing some things like that as well, which I think is good for the sport too. Well, I've been, I've been doing some coaching since I stopped racing. Yep. Um, mine's a little different than the, than the ride experience. The stuff I do is one-on-one coaching. I, I'm tending to work with riders that um, are probably a little beyond the ride experience, come and try yep. sort of day stuff. Um, but that's, you know, what Boise does with that is is really good. And Boise's a, Boise's a great guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was in the 2001 World Cup winning mm. team in Poland. And so so who was that again? You had Boyce, Ryan Sullivan, yourself, Todd Wilshire. And, and Lee. And Lee Adams. Yeah. Who was team manager for that year? Yeah, my, grand, my granddad, Neil Street. Neil Street. Yeah. Yeah, right. That is an awesome year. Yeah. yeah. We actually swapped after the qualifying event. Jason Lyons was in the team, but he didn't go very well in the qualifying meeting. Yep. So we swapped. We had Jason Lyons and Craig Boyce were, it was kind of almost a toss of the coin yep. at that stage. Um, Boyce tended to do a bit better on the bigger stage. Mm. And he, he did do well in the final. He, he, he got at some crucial points in the final. So he on that big stage, he really performed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sure. Boise, Boy, the last one-off world yeah. final. You have to remember, Boise was in a runoff for first place with Ricardson and Hans Nielsen Doesn't in '94. Yeah. So you know, Boise was a top rider. We were teammates in '94 at Pool in the my first year in the Elite League in the UK. How Boise was that? And I were teammates. That would have been like it's a long time ago now, but that's. I still remember. I can That's still huge. remember stuff from that year. With really, Boise. yeah, uh, it was. First I was year a kid, eighteen. Yeah, you know, and um, yeah. Was that I a had good a higher time, average? In, I had a higher average in Boise and as Craig well. Boyce. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, I was in, in one of his best years too. It was his best yeah. year. I had a higher average in him that year. I yeah. was the number one for pool that year. In your first year, yeah, it's a good way into it, isn't it? Mm. So you coming directly from Australia into that? No, I'd been racing in England for a couple of years, but not in the, not in the elite league. league. Yep. Mm. So yeah, but Boise and I, um, you know, I, Boise and I talk on the phone every couple of months. We normally, I really have yep. a catch up, and yep. yeah. Same he, with Steve Johnson from Perth. I speak to him quite a bit. Oh really? I'm in touch with most of them. The names you just rattled off there with road racing, everything like that. Have you got a bit of an encyclopedia? Like, do you just love other forms as well? Because um, you just rattled off like a whole bunch of names of deep into road racing history, obviously supercross and that. Do you like the other forms of? Yeah, yeah. I, I like, I like race. I like motorcycle racing. Yeah, and um, I like the history of racing. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you know the 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 everything moves forward. Um, all the time at a rapid rate mm. um, I'm a big fan of of um, the history of all, all sports yeah right and you know if, 
like I said before about Ivan Major and Ollie Olsen and all these guys that, that raced well before me. Yep. But they shaped Speedway into what it was for me to be able to have a career out of it. So I have a tremendous amount of respect for, for the for those guys and um you know I've uh, yeah, I, I enjoy the company of most of most of the former riders that I've met. Yeah. Um you know, I was fortunate enough to to be able to be able to talk to guys like Ivan or Barry Briggs um, quite easily because I'd known them for a long time through my father. Yeah. Um, I had a I had dinner with Ronnie Moore in New Zealand years and years ago. And that was unreal. Mm. Um, guys like Ovi Funden and Bjorn Knudsen. Um, you know, having raced in Sweden for so many years, you see them at different times. And, um, yeah, Zen and Plek, who was probably, you know, the top Polish guy before Thomas Golub came along in the 70s and 80s. He was my coach in Polish league for a couple of years. And then my coach in Polish league um, for many, many years at different clubs even was Marek Cieszlak and he was a Polish national manager. So he was he was my coach for my league racing in Poland. Yeah. And we'd come to the World Cup and he was a Polish manager. So we were competing against each other. There's so many crossovers in the sport, <laughs> it's, hey? It's nuts. Yeah. You know. Wow. So, um, yeah, kind of, kind of funny. But I, like I... Um, you know the road racing, the rivalries from road racing, from like Barry and Kenny Roberts oh, yeah. to Freddie Spencer and Kenny and Eddie Lawson came in, and then Rainey and Schwantz and Mick, yep, Wayne Gardner. I, I loved it all. I'm a mm. huge fan of it all. And you've you've tried your hand at the road bike stuff for a bit as well. Not really. Not um, not road road, but you've done some track days and stuff, haven't you? A few very average on any other sort of motorbike apart from a speedway bike really yeah yeah okay yep do you enjoy it though <laughs> um i enjoy riding all sorts of motorbikes um but yeah you you know it's sometimes difficult to know where your limits are on other sorts of motorbikes a speedway bike is clearly what i can ride and um yeah, it's you know Troy and I. Troy and I went through a stage where we were riding dirt bikes. You know, we we'd go out to QMP or we'd go out to the bush out the back of somewhere, and like he's you know we we were just goon riders. We were yeah. you know like probably on our ass more times than than we weren't. Troy you know, Bayless. Bayless, yep. And um, you know it was good fun, and we'd like drag race up and down this, you know, just being clowns really just fun yeah there's uh the detroit bayless classics bring back good memories yeah they were good fun it was enjoyable they were they were you know they were um they were it was tough racing for i sure. mean you know it was difficult racing and um it was great for dirt track and it was great for motorcycling in general that troy and kim put a huge amount of time and effort into doing what they did there with them and bringing guys like Jared Mees and um, Sammy Halbert, Henry Wiles, Jake Johnson. Brad Baker. Brad, yeah, Baker. Brad the Bullet. Yeah. Um, you know, tremendous effort to get those sort of guys over here. And yep. 
um, yeah, I'm proud to have, to have been a small part of what what they were. Yep. Shame they're not on anymore, really. Yeah. It, it was. Um. I. Yeah, it's a difficult one because they obviously put a lot into three or four, five years, however many it was, and um, no one took it up, did they? After they. No. kind of stepped away with it uh, stepped away from it no one took it up and and continued it going which which was a shame it was some of their best well I think best dirt track events for sure no doubt but some of their best actual motorcycling events in general for Australia yeah I would definitely agree attendance um, the amount of amount of entries everything it was yeah and and look they they suffered a bit of bad luck with the weather a few times as well, oh, didn't yeah. they? I mean, they you know, to, to have rain in Tari in January is pretty unusual. Yeah, that one in particular where it was just, ah, oh, it was yeah, it was a crazy time. But really good events. And same yeah. with the Moto Expo, obviously, where you had the dirt track part of that. And yeah. You enjoy riding that, the dirt bike side of it as well? Yeah, and I, like, I, honestly, when, when it all first started out, I was pretty poor. You know, and I think I kind of got going half okay in the end. And Jeff Leesk was the boss of KTM at that time and gave me tremendous amount of support to, to do what I was doing. And, like, honestly, if it wouldn't have been for Jeff and KTM, I probably wouldn't have got into it as much as what I did. Really? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was it was with huge thanks to them that I was able to do what I did with all of that stuff. And... Um, I think I kind of got going a whole lot better at the end of... By the time it had all finished, I think I was going okay at it. For sure. Nowhere near good enough to make the final of the... The outright final of the Troy Bayless Classic, but, um, you know, I could kind of win a race here and there and... Put on a good show. Have a bit, fans of, have a bit, more, a bit more fun. Yeah. No, I remember the... Um, they did it at the MotoGP one... Yeah, one year. I think they did one year there. And I got some photos. I remember just clear as day of like you're backing it in, you're sliding it. Like it just looked like a speedway bike on hard. Yeah, pack. Looked, that was a funny like track at Phillip Island. That one. I I actually near, I very nearly beat Jared Mees there one day. Yeah, right. I led him for like three laps in a four lap race, and I I really thought I'd done him. Um, that was exciting to watch. It was a small track as well, wasn't it? It was and more it like was an American, you know, short track. Short track. Yeah, it, it was, and uh, very hard pack, obviously. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It, was, it was good to watch. Yeah, it was. It was good fun. Now, dust hustles. You've done that a couple of times as exhibition. Yeah, that's. Do you enjoy it? Yeah, they're, they're good days. Good days. Like as well. you can go and just ride around, and if you know, whatever, no stress. The, whatever the sort of pace you want to carry out on, whatever you're riding, it's. Yep. That's what, all you have to do. Yep. I rode the I rode the Indian, yeah, the FTR twelve hundred, yeah, yep. against Chris. He was riding the Harley, and yeah. we had some fun on that. I ended up actually slipping off the, off the Indian, and I was glad I'd had my wheat picks that morning, so I had the strength to pick it up. Yeah, because it'd be a bit heavier than the um, than the normal speedway bike. I oh guess. yeah, much much heavier. Uh, they they definitely a great event, and uh, you know, seeing having you know. Chris Vermillion, yourself out on track. It's yeah, and the, many others. It's good. Yeah, you know, you get all the freestyle guys up there as well. So yep. they're they're kind of a they're a handful because they just they're just on they're the just gas mental. all the time. <laughs> and you get but, yeah, Michael Kirkness coming in, you know, yeah. as well. You get some good people there. Yeah, and that's right. And they're fun days to just um, 
yeah, like I said, if you if you want to go out and try and go fast, then you can. If you just want to idle around and be one of the guys to yep. to toodle around, you also have some fun. Just good fun. Yeah. So now we're 2020. You were eight years after official retirement. It's actually funny because I never really, really, probably never really retired. I just kind of moved away. I stopped riding in the Grand Prix. Yep. I retired from the Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a funny thing because I did actually retire from the Grand Prix. Yep. But there's a lot of riders that say they're retiring from the Grand Prix, but they're actually not retiring from the Grand Prix. They're yep. not they're inside the, the top eight. Yep. They're actually eliminated. So I I was proud of the fact that I think I was number five or six in the world the year I retired. So you had selection so for I 13 already had, locked away. Yep. I actually had a spot in the Grand Prix for the following year. Andreas Jonsson, the Swedish rider, he finished ninth in the World Championship that year. So when, when I said that I wasn't riding, he actually moved up a spot yep. and he got automatic qualification because I gave my spot up. Um, as far as the league racing went... Um, I had planned on actually racing for a year or two more, but as things turned out when I stopped riding in the Grand Prix, I kind of just never went, it never happened. Really? It wasn't that I said that's, you know, there was no retirement meeting or no farewell party or, you know, no gold watch. Just I just stopped. kind of didn't ride anymore. Mm. And I didn't ride for a few years and then I st- did a few meetings in Aussie and a few more meetings and you know did you did you just get sick of it at the time got sick of the Grand Prix the Grand Prix got yeah. sick of the I got I say sick of I got burnt out yeah you know because yeah. I'd been doing it for a long time and you know um, you put a lot of effort into something for a long time and I, yeah I was I was worn out from from it I probably should have just had a year off and gone back and continued to ride. Instead, I waited eight years and then... So here we are, <laughs> eight years later. So you went Waiting to, to have another go. I, you know, I was yep. in the UK for the start of the season this year. I was only there for eight days before COVID made me come home. So you've signed up for Ipswich? Yeah, I've signed for Ipswich and hopefully we'll get to start. Um, hopefully the British season will start. Um, mid, you know, beginning to middle of August. Yeah, nice. Uh, uh, obviously, clearly a much shorter season than normally would have happened, but hopefully enough of a season to to get some results out of it. So you'll go over there with the family? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So Seth, your son, races road bikes. Yeah. And he's got he's got some road racing happening too. Yeah, he's there. racing BSB this year. In a, on a four hundred. Yeah. Yep. That's an awesome start, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, so we'll head over in probably within the next couple of weeks, and um, all things working out well, we'll head over in a couple of weeks, and yeah, um, yeah. I think the testing for Seth starts in the middle of July, and yeah, hopefully Speedway starts pretty well. Yeah, beginning to middle of August. It's going to be a lot different this time than obviously last. Like kids older, obviously Seth's older. Is that yeah. going to be? I think that should be fun, shouldn't it? I hope it will be fun. It's, I yeah. want it to be fun. Yeah. I want to go and have some fun racing. Um, I'm not 
obviously trying to be world champion, so I don't have that um, that huge nugget of trying to be world champion weighing me down. Mm-hmm. I, I can hopefully go and enjoy racing. I hope I can be more of a team player in the team I'm in, like Ipswich. Yep. You know, um, Jake Allen from Brisbane races yep. for them. Cameron Heaps is a young Aussie from Perth. He also races there. Uh, there's a young English kid called Drew Kemp. He's 17, 18. Um, I want to be able to pass my knowledge and experience onto those guys, and yep. I want to make us a really, really good team. Mm. Um, a proper team. A proper, proper team, team again. Yep. Where, where we're racing for each other, and hopefully I think we're a good enough team. Like in, in a normal year, I think we would be a good enough team comparing against the other teams in that league that we would be able to win Mm -hmm. obviously i still have to race and score points because i'm a contributing member of the team yep um but i think that you know maybe my strength won't be scoring 14 or 15 points like it used to be it may be that i can get people scoring a few more points all the riders in the team scoring a few more points than they maybe ordinarily would Mm. That, and that'd be the ideal thing, like a nice consistent. Yeah, I, I'm. You know, obviously, I've got targets for myself, and the, and the club have targets that they want me to try and hit. Yeah, and they're most definitely not the number of points that I used to score because I know it would be almost impossible for me to do that. It's kind of back to that, like you were saying before. You've got to be smart. You got to think about having uh, respect for respect your for opponents. the other opponents. Yeah, yeah, and that's right. I'm 44 years old. And I'm probably not going to be as hard a rider as I was when I was 34 years old, but that comes with, that's to be expected. Yeah. But maybe I'll be a cleverer rider than I was when I was 34 and I can maybe hopefully race at just about the same level. Yeah, makes sense. And I think pers- on a personal level, it's, um, it's got to be good for the sport too. It's a draw. You've got a three-time world champion coming back into elite. Yeah, the, look, there was a lot of excitement in the UK about um, about the start of the 2020 season. Um, I was obviously going back to ride for Ipswich. Nicky Pedersen was back to ride for Sheffield. And mm-hmm. um, there was a lot of positive vibes about Speedway. And unfortunately, it's, you know, everything's been thrown on hold and um, difficult time for the whole world. Yeah, no, definitely. Every every uh, every person's feeling feeling the wrath of it. Yeah. Is there anything, any um, people that you want to thank along the way, or anything that you need to shout out for the journey ahead, or anything? Yeah, I, you know, there's there's many people to thank for everything. I mean, the you know, racing's you 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 have to have sponsors. So of course, all of my sponsors, I'm grateful for, and and all of my friends that have supported me along the way, and. Um, all the support that I had from different people and different companies in Australia has always been very, very welcome. And, um, you know, lots of people that I see tell me um, that they used to sit up all night on on um, on Sunday night to, to watch the Speedway or the, or the early hours Sunday morning to, to watch the Speedway from Europe on Saturday night over there. And... Um, you know, I'm glad that I gave them some moments that they enjoyed and gave them some nights that were worth sitting up to watch. Not all of them, but I think I gave a lot of nights that, that were worth sitting up to watch. So, um, yeah, I'm very thankful for all the support I got from here. Awesome. 
Well, mate, for, for on my side, if I could, you know, could have set, pinched myself at, you know, the uh, teenage years watching you at, say, a Series 500 Grand Prix, a uh, Series 500 race, I'd be sitting here these years later talking to you for an hour and a half on a podcast. I'll, it wouldn't <laughs> never have happened. So thank you so much for it, mate. I, I do oh, appreciate no problem. it. It took a little bit of organising, but we got there in the end. Oh, we've had a few spinners thrown in there, but, <laughs> um, mate, it's been, yeah, been fantastic. And thank you for your time and um, hope you and your family have a really good trip over there and it's a um, yeah, great rest of 2020. Thank you. Thanks, mate.